My friends, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Pilate said to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this on your own or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, then you are a king? Jesus answered, you say I am a king. For this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. As I mentioned at the beginning of Mass, today, in many respects, becomes a bit of a summary of what we do throughout the year. This is the last Sunday of the church's year. The new church year begins next Sunday with the beginning of the season of Advent. And this is a relatively new feast. It was only established in the early 20th century, 1925. We celebrate the constancy the reign of Jesus that is forever peaceful, his rule in which justice is tempered with mercy. And part of what we do in these last days of the church year is look to the future. The last couple of weeks of the church year point our vision and our gaze toward heaven. And so we speak of this reign of Jesus as eternal king King of the universe is actually the title of the feast, rather ominous sounding. But it helps us, I think, to sum up everything that we have heard throughout the year as we have proclaimed the coming of the Messiah in his birth at Christmas, his public ministry, which we have broken open throughout the course of the year. Back at Easter, we celebrated his passion, his death, and his glorious resurrection his ascension into heaven, and that promised gift of the Holy Spirit that was bestowed upon the church at Pentecost. And throughout the year, we've heard the word of God. We've heard Jesus in his public ministry preach parables and challenge us. We've witnessed his mighty deeds as we've retold the wonders of his miracles. And today gives us an opportunity in some respects to encapsulate all of it, to summarize all of it as we move forward. Next week, we'll reset with the beginning of a new church year. There's an invitation then to to bring it all together. This feast was established specifically as a matter of public submission to Jesus, 
as a way to draw all nations to him at the time of the conclusion of World War I, to find in Christ the way to lasting peace. So there was a rather cosmic mission for this feast day as, as a means of global healing at the end of the, of the First World War. But there's a much more personal consequence that I think is more important because it's the starting point. We hear it in the book of Revelation. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away. His kingdom shall not be destroyed. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the beginning and the end, the one who was, who is, and who is to come, the Almighty. There is something comforting in the notion, the fact that Jesus is unchanging. There is security. There is hope. And so we're called and invited to let him in to our lives. And not just here or there, just a smattering of, oh, well, I like the way Jesus appears in this moment, but these words are kind of hard, so here not so much. That kind of take a little of this and a little of that. This feast, on the other hand, kind of forces us to bring it all together. And so we celebrate this eternal kingship of Christ reigning in glory, but the gospel brings us right to the cross, to Jesus' passion, specifically to his trial before Pontius Pilate, when he speaks about his reign as he comes to testify to the truth. In Jerusalem, the church of the Holy Sepulchre is built and is, is a destination for pilgrims that is the holiest of Christian sites in all the world. It's the spot that marks Jesus' crucifixion on Golgotha. It's the place of his burial. The name Holy Sepulchre refers to the Latin term for tomb, the sepulchre. And that also means that that church is the site of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Literally, as you make the stations of the cross in Jerusalem, the final four stations, Jesus being nailed to the cross, dying on the cross, taken down from the cross, and laid in the tomb, all took place in that space that's now built into a single church. And I think it becomes a metaphor for us. We had the opportunity on our pilgrimage just a few weeks ago to celebrate Mass there, and I said this there that the way in which we embrace Jesus has to encompass both his cross and his victory over death. We can't have one without the other. We lose something without seeing both his passion and what he endures for us and his power to conquer the grave. That one church brings it all together and becomes for us the metaphor of what we're supposed to embody, what we're supposed to let into our hearts. This feast day is about that, about bringing in and letting in the whole of Jesus as he now reigns gloriously in heaven, but we can't just have that without recognizing all that came before. For this I was born, Jesus says, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Truth is not relative. Truth cannot simply about ideas, that we learn, but for the Christian, Christ himself is the truth. If he really is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who reigns in heaven and in our hearts, 
then it is also his truth that dwells within us. Truth isn't just facts or something that we can claim or make up or manipulate for our own purposes, but truth is a person, a person with whom each of us has a relationship as we let Jesus into our hearts. We let him in and are called to surrender ourselves to his truth. His encounter with Pontius Pilate, especially as it's depicted here in John's gospel that we hear today, is not so much about Jesus, but it's about Pilate and what he cannot bring himself to accept. On the surface there, of course, Jesus is on trial and he's ultimately condemned to death. But in reality, it's Pilate who is on trial and is being questioned by Jesus. He's tested and he is invited to testify to the truth, but he can't do it. As a bookend within the Gospel of John, Pilate almost echoes the words of John the Baptist at the beginning of the Gospel. It's there that John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We echo that at the moment of invitation to Holy Communion. But at the end of the trial, as Pilate stands before the crowd, all he can say as he presents Jesus to the mob is, Behold the man. There's an invitation for us here, certainly at the invitation to Holy Communion, but on this feast of the kingship of Christ, an invitation to let him in anew. As the liturgical year draws to a close this, year, this week, today's feast marks this culmination. It becomes a capstone, and it points to this ultimate destiny in heaven. And along the way, Jesus fills in all those other gaps and today, we open our hearts to all of it. That's certainly a tall order for one celebration, for one moment of worship and one moment of prayer, where we acclaim him as king of heaven, as king of glory, as the one who reigns over each of us. But in this act of worship, let him in. Take up the call to accept him and to recognize him as the Lamb of God who takes away sin and who paves and marks out the path for us through his truth to eternal life. So in this act of worship, let us come to him. Let us let him into our lives for it is truly right and just. Amen.